All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya Georgetown basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft. And today, I believe we are 50 days away, if we can believe Twitter, as to when college basketball starts. So we got to get going back in that direction. And what better way? I'm joined by two Thompson's Tal. I've got the creator, Will Cromarty, and one of the writers currently right now, Bobby Vogel. Guys, I can't believe we're getting so close the college basketball season. Thompson's talent was such a big part of last season. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Will, what's up, man? Uh, thank you so much for having us on. Uh, I can't believe we're so close to college basketball season. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out where my classrooms are. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, thank you for having us on. No problem. I wish I was in college. I'm so envious of both of you guys. And Bobby, what's up, man? Not, not much. Yeah, thank you again for having us on. It feels like we won the Big East tournament just a month ago, not a full almost at uh, the last season. So it's great to be back. It's great that things are coming back and um, things are looking pretty good so far. Hey, speaking of that, would you guys have gone last year if it had been a normal year? Oh, absolutely. I think we absolutely would have. Um, yeah, I think, well, we even had, we had one writer take make the trip, right? That's Indianapolis. Yes, we had... Uh... Jacob, uh, like the number two guy, uh, he took a road trip, like a 10 hour road trip from DC to Indianapolis. And that was a really cool moment for uh, Thompson's Tell and obviously for Jacob. Uh, obviously, the game didn't go our way. And uh, oh, don't I'm need still, to talk about that. Yeah, I'm still Just... a little salty about uh, McKinley Wright. <laughs> I got on the uh, O Takes Exposed because uh, I wrote an article like, relax, uh, don't like freak out about him. I guess the hype was justified. (laughs) I think it might have been some other things, but he's definitely, definitely a really good college player. I'm not going to lie. I definitely would have been the Big East tournament. I've been going to them all. I kept wanting to keep going back because it's like, I know we're going to win a game again. You know, like they're not just going to keep going, you know, one and done. And then as far as getting out to Indianapolis, that's so awesome. You guys had somebody out there. I was in the middle of getting my shots. Oh, wow. It was just a situation where I just, I couldn't swing it. It hurt me. I've been to so many NCAA tournaments. And I was going to drive just because, you know, it's definitely not a drive you want to make, but you can make it. And with, you know, airplanes and COVID, it was like, you know, so that was probably you guys are in college. That was one of the more adult decisions I've had to make. If I was a couple years younger, I would have found myself just driving out there, even if it was in the middle of the night, just, you know, figuring out a way, a way to get there. But so Thompson's towel, you know, how did the name come about? I mean, obviously we know Thompson's, you know, Tal, that's such a great name. It's great alliteration. Was there anything else in the running or was it just like, you know, you've, I've got the name, now I'm going to get the blog or was it, what, you know, did you have a blog without a name? Yeah, so actually the, I'm going to give you a little backstory on like yeah. how Thompson's Tal, the blog uh, kind of came about. So uh, we officially launched in like, uh, like the first week of uh, January in uh 2019 I think and um yeah I had started it because uh, I was a sophomore at the time uh by the way I'm a super senior uh I took a we'll call it a red shirt year because <laughs> of COVID but uh everybody yeah, got an extra year of eligibility that's I see no problem in that yeah uh no just because what I'm saying on my sophomore year my freshman yeah, yeah, year yeah. it's like yeah uh but yeah I had started it uh back in 2019 um and I remember because I was getting frustrated, actually, when I was on Twitter, like uh, I started like poking into Georgetown Twitter and it saw people 
like talking like complaining about student attendance yeah. <laughs> and I was like that was like it started it it grind it grind my gears like I didn't think I, I want students to have a voice and uh, they weren't being represented you know you had these discussions about student attendance and uh, yeah it just frustrated me so I guess Thompson's Tower kind of born, came born out of that to have that desire to have a student voice uh, kind of covering Georgetown basketball like more full-time obviously the Hoya and the voice do a great job but uh, we are exclusively dedicated and the name Thompson's Tau, when I had start, thought about starting to do a blog, I was bouncing off ideas with a friend, and Thompson's Tau was the first one that came to mind, and I had a bunch of uh, garbage ideas, and after that, and uh, we were just like, well, there's nothing better that we've come up with, so we'll just roll with Thompson's Tau. What was second place then? I'm sorry, what was that? What was second place as far as the, you said you had, you had a bunch of garbage names too? Yeah, I have uh, on my uh, Apple Notes, I think it was uh, something about, it was like uh, O Street Chronicles or something. That, it was it okay. was bad. Uh, yeah, that's, that's very Georgetown. I get it. Yeah, it, def- it definitely became much more timely um, with rest in peace John, with Coach Thompson. But um, I think yeah. people brought a greater awareness around that time too for the towel and what it symbolized for Georgetown basketball as well. So not fortunate timing, of course, ever, but um, certainly did... Uh, make the name make more sense around campus and stuff as well so you mentioned the voice and the Hoya and you know if you guys listen to me you know that I grew up in the area but I did not go to Georgetown a lot of people that went to Georgetown have ended up covering the team and do cover the team um did you guys work for the voice or I'm sure not work but did you guys you know write for the voice or the Hoya um I never have I uh I've, I've been a Georgetown basketball fan my whole life uh, my mom played lacrosse at Georgetown um, and my sister does as well. Uh, does as well. So for better or worse, I've been uh, blessed and cursed with Georgetown basketball fandom. Um, that being said, I, I didn't start writing for Thompson's Tell until uh, kind of 2019, 2020, when my roommate Jack McSherry, who's also a writer, mm-hmm. um, became perhaps the third or fourth um, contributor to Thompson's Tell. So he kind of he kind of brought me into the fold. Uh, I've never written for the Hoy for the Hoy or the Voice. I've written for the Journal of International Affairs of all things at Georgetown. So that's been kind of my uh, more academic then, but it's been so fun. And Will does a great job running Thompson's Town and kind of giving the student voice to the whole community. And he does a great job with the Twitter and Instagram as well, if you guys would give it a follow. Yeah, I wrote for the uh, Hoya. Well, I didn't write. I was a photographer and I did some uh, video work and a lot of multimedia journalism. I wrote one article, but uh, it was mostly multimedia and photography and that actually informed a lot of what I wanted to do with Thompson's Tell because Thompson's Tell is uh, entirely student run. I'm very proud of that and uh, we want to give a voice to both students and young alumni and one of the ways we do that is everything that comes out from us is original. Uh, We have like normal year so we have a courtside photographer at like pretty much every game. We do videos, we do, obviously we do the writing. And what I'm most proud of Thompson's Tell is the fact that it is a platform uh, for creativity and it gives Georgetown students a voice. And it just happens that the basketball team is a really good and fun way to do that. So 
while unfortunately you can't stay in college forever, although I would suggest trying to stay as long as you can, um, what's the plan for Thompson's Tau when you guys graduate? Like, is it going to be, is it, are you guys going to try and continue to, to do it? Or is it going to be sort of like passed down to students, much the way, you know, the voice of the Hoya would be something that, you know, students are in charge of? Yeah, so I think the plan is to pass it down and uh, it's always tough because it feels like your baby, but I yeah. think if we want to have it, uh, you know, remain like the voice of our students and, you know, young alumni, I think we do want to pass it down to, you know, the people who are actually plugged into what's happening on campus. That makes sense. That makes sense. But, you know, you can always do, you can always contribute. You can come in with an opinion, you know, opinion, commentary, editorial, you know, you can, you can find ways to do it. I mean, you know, Casual Hoya, uh, Andrew Geiger, who runs Casual Hoya is Georgetown alum. And I think most of the people outside of myself that contribute there, Georgetown alums. So, you know, it's definitely, you can, you know, think about that as well. You don't have to just, you know, kick your kid out of the car and send them to some sort of prep school. You can, you can, you know, be there for a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, it's really cool. Um, obviously, the alliterations are great, and it's hard to picture a better symbol for Georgetown basketball than the late John Thompson's big white towel. That meant that meant other teams were in trouble when that walked into the arena. Uh, just as someone that was there to see to see some of that, it was uh, it was not good for the uh, the other team. Um, so the current basketball season is. We're, you know, we can, we can almost touch it. It's getting close. Um, how do you guys feel? You know, last season was, you mentioned, you know, it was so irregular for, you know, all the non-basketball reasons. And then the basketball team went out and had a, oh, this is going to be a terrible season. They have a COVID pause. I was even thinking like, you know, if it's bad enough, are they even going to come back? You know, we didn't see any of the men's teams do that. We saw a bunch of the women's, a bunch of high profile women's teams decided to call it quits. Um, when Georgetown had to go to their pause, they were in a bad spot and they came out and they were a completely different team. And we all know what happened. You know, they went to Madison Square Garden. They stayed, I hope they, you know, they packed for four days. They stayed for four days. That being said, you know, Javon Blair is gone. Jamarco Pickett's gone. Chudier Bile, who we barely got to know, is gone. Unfortunately, Kudus Wahab is gone. They brought in a good recruiting class. So much has changed. You know, Dante Harris is still there. Uh, Donald Carey is still there. That's kind of about it for guys that played a meaningful big role how's thompson's towel feeling about this upcoming season where are you are you are you in the you know the momentum is going to carry on from last season or do you kind of feel like you know all right let's see where we are but kind of back to the drawing board again yeah i'm feeling pretty good about things so far i think that people are underestimating the group that we're bringing back okay. um i was looking at things earlier and i think the coming into last season javon blair was the only returner with at least 10 points um, and people are saying now that we're losing a lot. And I think we are bringing a lot more back than people realize. And perhaps the biggest thing we're bringing back is that Ewing's matured as a coach. Um, he's clearly grown and he's able to coach. Um, he knows how to, you know, maybe run the system a little bit better. Uh, I feel great about Dante. I feel great about um, Big Tim, Timmy Uefe. I'll bring it back and perhaps providing some valuable center minutes as well. And of course, uh, Don Carey in this freshman class is just, it's hard to be more excited about a freshman class than, than this one. I mean, are we, I, I was in the same class as the Mac McClum, Akinjo, LeBlanc class. I'm glad, um, I'm glad to see you stayed. 
Exactly. Thank you. Somebody had to. Um, but the, the buzz even now compared to coming into freshman year is just night and day. I think that in a way, um, the COVID, as some people have maybe subliminally and directly said, has helped the Georgetown basketball program and Georgetown athletics so much um, because while there may have been slightly lackluster attendance before, these new students don't even realize that that, that was a thing. The soccer games have been packed. The football games have been packed. The excitement just to get out and watch sporting events. I think the freshmen are feeding off of it, and they're so excited just to play for a crowd that I think the energy with this class, and I mean, you can see it in interviews as well. Ryan Matumbo, I mean, Dante Harris, these guys are so well-spoken. They're so confident. They're so excited to just play. Um, I think that alone will make this season a great season, regardless of outcome. Needless to say, I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah, I'm uh, feeling pretty optimistic too. Uh, well, I should... Uh preface that with the fact that in my freshman year in uh, Patrick Ewing's first season was uh, as late as February where I'm still calculating, oh yeah, they can make the tournament. And of course they needed to go on a run of like eight games. Uh, that did not happen, but I've always been uh, more of a glass half full kind of guy, but I do think there are genuine reasons for optim optimism this year. I think the guard room uh, especially is as talented as uh, we've had like, uh, in a long time and uh, I mean as Bobby said uh, the freshmen are like there's a lot of talent there I'm particularly excited I'm excited for all of them but I'm really excited for uh, Jordan Riley and I think he's uh, really being slept on at the moment but uh, I don't think that'll be the case uh, come that uh, first game against Dartmouth but I do feel optimistic we did lose Kudas uh, but uh that is going to be, uh, that's going to be, the center position will be tough, I think, but I do have faith in Coach uh, Ewing to figure it out, but I am really looking forward to getting back into the stands, and like Bobby said, there has been a buzz around Georgetown Athletics this year, like in general, uh, the games have been packed, and uh, I know way more uh, people have been buying uh, student season tickets, so I think I think there is going to be really good uh, energy this year. Bobby, you mentioned something that I've actually had written down here. And, I, you know, Will, you can obviously speak up as well. But uh, I don't know if you guys know Tyler. He used to be at The Voice. I think of everyone being so young, but he's probably been out of school a couple of years now. But, you know, soccer's become such a big thing. When I was in school, as, as someone that, you know, grew up playing soccer, you know, 20 years ago, soccer was such an afterthought you know now i don't know if you guys follow soccer but you know you can on your phone you can watch any of the top leagues in the world right yeah. you can get it on the app like it's, i used to go to a bar in like arlington or dc to watch arsenal back when they were at least good um but the soccer angle i think is so interesting and the fact that you know a lot of tongue-in-cheek um you know georgetown's a soccer school right because obviously we know georgetown's a basketball school but i mean you know we've had we've had coach coach weiss on here a lot and Georgetown is an incredible soccer school and also for the women with uh, Dave uh, Nolan. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned how many people are going to these soccer games, like how much has, like how important is soccer? Do you think at this school? And I'm not trying to compare the sports and pit them together. I, you know, I think it'd be great to follow all of the sports for your school, but as far as that enthusiasm you say is for soccer, do you think that's something that can bleed over 
to basketball because you know it takes a little bit more effort to go to the basketball game right you have to do all the, you jump through all these hoops to get down to capital one arena soccer you've got like you know the number one team in the country you can roll out of bed and just go see them play um what what's you you guys are both young guys you guys are both in college what is the sense what what is your feeling of the soccer fandom of the students and does that can that translate and help basketball attendance I think it's huge. I think a uh, big thing to understand about if you're from outside the Georgetown University community is that it has a very strong um, international base. Uh, we have a lot of international students, students with international backgrounds. Uh, they follow soccer hard, so they care about it a lot. And I think it makes the uh, fan environment pretty exciting, uh, Georgetown games. The stadium is beautiful, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's in a nice spot. It's a good size. The grass is always green and they have good competition. I mean, the Maryland game. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to attend, but I, I will, if you want to speak to that, I heard that was just an absolute blast. Like students are wrapped around the stands um, and the timing of the soccer season couldn't be perfect for rolling into the basketball season. Yeah. You have this athletic excitement building up right as November is about to hit. And I mean, it's hard not to go to a game when you're the number one team in the country at the division one level. That's just something that I think anybody would be excited about. And soccer is that accessible of a sport as well. I do think it matters a lot. And I think it matters, too, that the football team is getting great attendance. That stadium on its on its first game uh, this past weekend was packed. Yeah. And I don't know how much you know about Georgetown football, but that's I, I, I didn't even know that could happen. So I think both of those sports having solid attendance this this early is a great um, a great sign moving forward. I think it says a lot about what how hype this basketball season might be. Yeah, soccer. I have become a soccer fan. Uh, nice. Like coming in Georgetown. A, do you have a pro team? Uh, no. Just okay. I just became like a Georgetown soccer fan, okay. and uh, yeah, I never got into soccer before then. But uh, yeah, avoid Arsenal. Yeah, I was uh, in Hoya Blue, and uh, I was on the board. Actually, went that year when they won the uh, national championship, so I got to go down. On a, they had a bus and they went down to North Carolina and uh, like every single year, like they had a bus going down to North Carolina because, you know, you have the women's team in the uh, final four and then the men and obviously the men won. Uh, and that was awesome to see in person. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to defend a penalty uh, uh, shootout uh, as the way to decide I'm going to defend that. Um, but soccer, I think, especially compared to my freshman year or just be like hoya blue and you know be like 10 people behind the goal you know on a Wednesday and now it really does feel like it's becoming way more of a thing on campus and I think it's awesome because both the men and the women's teams are great like really like top 25 teams in the country and they play really high level soccer and uh I don't know if it will translate into basketball just because I feel that basketball has more of a, uh, like there's a more of a casual, like, uh, like you could be a casual fan and kind of go one game, like go the Syracuse game, Villanova game, but soccer, I think uh, the fan base is smaller, but there's a lot more uh, intense buy-in. We need those fans to show up at Capital One Arena. Absolutely. We need them. So you guys are on. You guys are on the ground. Thompson Tau was basically founded because you wanted the attendance to get better. Or at least you were tired of hearing about people complain about it. So I don't know. There's nothing I can do. I can run Kente corners and hopefully make them entertaining. But 
if there's just a way because i i see it you know what i mean like you know i i see the people at the soccer games i, I did i saw tweets about how football attendance was really good last, was it harvard it was the harvard game yep yeah i don't know i mean I, you know just i know it's easier as someone that you know i went to jmu like you could just you could just yeah. go to the games on campus i know it sounds like a small thing and it, it's kind of like you know, the chicken or the egg, right? Like if Georgetown, if the men started the season ranked, let's say they were like 12th, I don't think it'd be hard to get kids to come out, right? Like it'd be like, oh, look, we're 12th. We're going to be on, you know, on TV all the time, blah, 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 you know, but it's just a way to get people to show up before the team gets good. Or, you know, do you think because of the way that the, you know, campus is shut down, all that stuff, like, do you think there, there will be any momentum built from, hey, uh we won the big east tournament last year or is that something that sort of happened and because it happened during covid it's like it was great but like maybe didn't get as much attention like i'm just trying to figure out i wish we could solve this problem guys no i i think i bobby i think it's gonna be solved i really do i know that maybe it's just because we finally got the dimmer switch in capital one arena and that's that's all that was needed but yeah something's different in the air i mean we're doing what we can on the ground to write our articles we put the little sign, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter in Red Square with the Pack Capital One Arena. Yeah. Um, that's the area where you can kind of like it's the public signage area. But I really think students, especially freshmen and sophomores who haven't been on campus, they haven't been able to experience um, Georgetown athletic events in person. They have no expectations for a Georgetown basketball game. And I think if people come to that first Dartmouth game on November 13th, if there's good attendance that day, which I think it will, I think Dartmouth is a it's kind of a name, it kind of people like the academic tone of it, like it gives a draw to a lot of different casual fans or people who may be the same kind of people who might be just going to the football game because they don't know what to expect or going to a soccer game. I really think if that game has solid attendance, it'll carry through to the rest of the season. And I'm very happy we're not opening with a, a MEAC team or a different kind of caliber team. I think that Dartmouth is the kind of game that students can get excited for. They're excited to see Dante's first game in front of fans. You know the players are going to feed off of that just being able to have anybody in the stands that's rooting for Georgetown. I, I, I feel very hopeful that this season maybe it won't be completely solved, but it's hard to, I, I really, I have trouble imagining that students won't come this year. I really think that the freshman class is there. You have returning pieces. You just won the B scoring. People are looking to celebrate that. And I know you, and I don't know, what, what do you, what do you think, Will? Yeah, I think there's a lot of energy uh, from what I hear. Like I'm hearing you know, people are like buying season tickets and they're buying them early. Uh, and I think like the past a year and a half plus of COVID, everyone's like, we just have this pent up energy for being inside. And I think uh, we want to be able to go out and enjoy like, life and sporting events. And yeah. yeah, I think there is like that energy to do that. But I also think just uh, having that, you know, that magical run last year, uh, coming back and being able to, you know, get be with your friends, get butt light line tall boy, and uh, just like kind of go out in the stands, even if you're watching like Dartmouth. I think there is going to be a lot of energy, and some of the players we have this year are uh, like Jordan Riley again. I think uh, are really are going to be really energetic and fan favorites, and they're going to are... be a fun team. Yeah. I think that's for sure. I hope that that translates to a successful team. Um, what, what are some of the things that you would suggest the athletic department do to try and drum up interest? You know, you guys are, you guys are the demographic, you guys are students, obviously you guys are, 
you know, huge fans, you run a successful blog, but you know what I mean? Like, like, what do you, what do you see as students? And is there, are there, are there areas where you feel like, you know, I feel like they could improve here or they could do that, or maybe you think they're doing everything great. I don't know. What, what is, what's your take from being a student as far as like, what would it take to convince, get more of your classmates out there to have, they don't have to have your enthusiasm because you guys are like, you know, the top. We're kind of weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are, you know, the special level, but just to get someone to come out, you know, let's say Georgetown has 15 home games to try and get the kind of student to come out to like 10 of them. Like, is there something that, you know, you think they're missing something that could be, you know, done more to engage the student body? Um, I think the game day experience is, we were kind of talking about this amongst Thompson's Tower the other day. The, the game day experience is pretty solid. Um, I was thinking about it earlier. The, the promos they run are all solid. I mean, the Georgetown shirts they do, they did the great Thompson shirt. They do some nice grays. Um, it's a good event. Uh, the Capital One experience, when empty, can be rough. But when you have some attendance, it really is a quality experience. So, I mean, the busing... The thing too is, I mean, Bobby, a lot of these games at night, the busing only takes like 15 minutes. They drive us through Rousland and Arlington okay. and kind of over that way. And it's not too bad of a ride. Um, a lot of people go, the stands are right there. I really am glad they updated the ticket policy with the having to opt into non-conference games. Um, I think that'll have a, I hope at least that it has a good effect of bringing the crowd closer to the, the front of the court and at least from a TV perspective, improve that viewing experience as well. Cause it's also tough. You're a student watching on TV and you're like, there's no one at this game. I think if you bring that and make that visual look better as well, that'll help because you don't need people in the 200 level in a game against Dartmouth. Everyone should be on the court. They should be close. I think that's big. I mean, the Harvard NIT game probably was one of the best fan experiences I've had as a Georgetown basketball fan. So I think every, okay. Georgetown fan would, of course, love a game or two on McDonough, even to stir up excitement. I was getting to my next question, you know, based on, I think that, you know, because Georgetown's a private school, we can't, you know, information act and figure out what the, what the contract is with Capital One Arena. Obviously, we know Ted Leonsis is a Georgetown guy. And, you know, it it doesn't seem like from the outside that they get really any breaks, you know, uh, I'd be more than happy if someone wants to tell me where I'm wrong about that. But when I look at it and you look at the Villanova model where, and look, Villanova has a much, and they just renovated, they have a much nicer on-campus facility, but what they kind of do is they play like five or six games on, they play some of their bigger games on the weekends at, is it Wells Fargo now or is Wachovia? I can't remember which one it is. Wells Uh, Fargo now, I used to be Wachovia. Okay. I'm a Bucks County boy, so from the area. I'm showing my age there. Anyway, but you know, you play, and then you play the rest of your games on campus. I get McDonough's not as nice as the pavilion i've been to the pavilion a couple times i i get that but i think there is an opportunity i mean you just said look you mentioned the harvard game as being one of the best experiences as a fan guess what they lost that game right and you don't even seem to care which is fine you know what i mean like like it's in your head is like that was cool right like you're like that was cool it was on campus it was awesome so i don't think that that's going to change anytime soon but if i could just you know if i was in charge if i was the president of of this scheduling issue that's like the first you know if i was the dictator of this that's the first thing i would do is i would have more games at mcdonough but it seems like that's not possible but i do think it's a it's a special treat uh something i say to my son when we try and get him to do something um i think it's it would be a special treat for everyone involved to have at least one game every season at mcdonough just to give just to kind of reward the fans um or you know the, basically the student fans 
Um, it's, you know, a game that you can just experience what it might be like um, if that was your main home arena. But, uh, okay, well, you know, you, you guys you guys are good. You guys are going to have to come on Kente Corner more because we often sort of, maybe it's because we've seen so much, we sort of veer off a little bit and get a little bit class half uh, empty uh, at times. Um, and when people do ex- accuse me of being that way, I do try and point out, look, I dedicate a lot of time to this. I, I think that um, it would be much better for me if the team was just rocking and rolling 100%. But uh, I like where you guys are at. You guys think everything's going great. And I hope that is that is the way it goes. I talked to some of the guys at Casual and I was like, hey, I'm going to have Thompson's Tau guys on. And, oh, that's so cool. Um, one of the suggestions I got for a question is pretty funny, although the answer is going to really, it's going to be difficult for you guys. What were you guys doing on Friday night, March 23rd, 2007? Oh, I, I, I remember. You're, are you referring to Florida Gulf Coast? No, no, that was 13. Okay. This is, no, this is, this is a good question. This oh, is when good. Jeff Green hit that, that like, you know, spinning turnaround shot to save the season against Vanderbilt, sent him into the Elite Eight. Um, you guys are really young. So you guys, where are you guys like four? in 2007 uh i think i was like eight but i have no idea what i was doing then so okay yeah Yeah, probably like second grade stuff yeah bobby you weren't you weren't there watching the game Mm, i don't remember that one can't say i remember that at the right age of seven years old i do remember florida gulf coast though that's one of my earlier georgetown basketball memory no no, this we don't we need the this is a positive pod. <laughs> we can come back and talk about that some other time. We're just sort of good, yeah. kicking around ideas. No, no, no. That was, that was one of the great moments. And it was just kind of one of the guys from casual um, wanted to kind of put it in perspective. Um, just, I don't know, just to kind of show the age differences. Cause for me, while that game was obviously a while ago in my head, it's like, I don't know, instead of it being, you know, almost 15 years ago, it's more like maybe seven years ago, but uh Hey, look, Jeff Green's still playing, man. Yeah. He's out there balling, you know. Might as well be yesterday for Jeff Green. He's still out there carrying the flag. Um, hopefully get some more Hoyas in the pros. But right now, he's he's out there. Um, so, Will, w- when you post on the site, do you post as Thompson's Tau? Uh, I post, well, sometimes I post as Thompson's Tau, but uh, usually I just post under my name. I do okay. a lot of the, uh, yeah, it's just like sometimes the bylines, uh, before when we had like multiple authors working on an article, we had it posted at Thompson's Tell. But uh, sometimes I post because I forget to change because I know I wrote some articles like uh, the 10 types of uh, Georgetown fans and Jack the Bulldog is a sellout. <laughs> uh, and I put that under Thompson's Tell. I think I just didn't get to change it. Okay, well, I, I was specifically asking because the... Um the post about about um, name name image and likeness i don't know if that's one that that you wrote i'm sorry what was that you broke up though i'm sorry uh the one on name image and likeness yes i did write that one and i think actually that could be very good for georgetown i think it's just really i think georgetown is well positioned to uh take advantage of that it's just whether they will. And I think that's the big thing. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now, do you guys do you guys know? So I don't know if you saw what, what we've been doing over at Casual, but do you guys know of any, maybe maybe even any of the, the, the non-basketball athletes as far as what sort of, you know, um, 
sponsorships that they've been getting like are you guys familiar with anything that's kind of coming through or have you guys been not really on top of that i can't say i've seen a whole lot i mean it looked okay. like uh, ryan matumbo recently tweeted um i'm saying how excited he was about uh, casual hoya's efforts and uh, yeah. i mean the document your lunch went so well of course um i haven't i haven't i haven't heard of a whole lot though outside of the basketball team in particular no okay okay that's cool um yeah so i think the obviously nil is such a new thing and it's such a big deal i think that for i think for georgetown it's important to compare themselves to the basketball schools which makes a lot of sense because i know that there's just some ridiculous football situations out there that you know you can't really aspire to get to i don't think but i do think that you know it's still it's still early i think that it's still you know unsure but i do think that georgetown particularly with patrick ewing as the coach you know, I, I think that it should be a positive for the Hoyas. And I was just sort of interested. I thought it was a good article. I was just interested if you guys had any more follow-ups on that. And then Bobby, interesting, interesting article about Wichita State. I know that's not Thank the you. entire, I know that's not the entire point of the article, but that's kind of, you know, where it goes down to. I'll say this. I think that, you know, I was sort of hoping the big 12 would implode. If you guys remember back yes. in 2013, there was talk then, like there were so many different scenarios about what was going to happen to the big East. Were they going to keep it as a Frankenstein league? You know, at the one point it was going to be like, well, they're going to add, you know, Houston and SMU and Memphis and basically a lot of the schools that are in the American and kind of keep that together. There was also a point where it was looking like the big 12 was going to go away because at that point, I think Oklahoma and Texas were kind of looking to the PAC 12. And then there was like, well, what's going to happen to Kansas? You know, who's going to go where? What's going to happen? So just recently, I was kind of hoping Kansas would get stuck out there and would need a home because, I mean, that is just, that would be incredible. Wichita State obviously has been, you know, one of the better mid-majors for a long time. They're going through a coaching change and all that. There's all kinds of stuff that happened there. But I would just say in general, your article about, it's called a Big East Manifesto realignment scheduling in the Sunflower State. I think staying at 11 teams is just kind of, it's kind of clunky and awkward. Like every weekend during the season, you basically need someone to be on a buy or you kind of want to encourage your members to schedule that, you know, that mid season non-conference game, which Georgetown used to do a lot of, you know, you play a team, you know, in January or February, rather than having them before the conference season starts. So if it's not Wichita state, like, do you think that they need to get to a 12 team or is that just something that looks a little bit prettier? Cause I like even numbers. I think the, I think the biggest I I think one of the biggest problems that the Big East might run into going forward is that the conference schedules have been expanding pretty consistently yeah. over the last five to ten years. Um, as leagues expand, and you see with the ACC, you see with the Big Ten, you see it with even not, not the Pac-12 as much. But I think that part of where the issue is coming from is that um, you, you, with, it's hard for Georgetown to schedule a good non-conference schedule right now. Um, it's not like they're going to be getting a home and home with Duke or home and home with UNC or a, even a home and home with a team like Florida, perhaps. Um, you, if you're not getting those games, you want to have more games in your conference schedule. And we're fortunate that the Big East um, has almost perennially top 100 Ken Palm teams, top net, net ranked teams. Um, but I do think that expansion might be necessary just because you might need those games. It does worry me a little bit that they haven't renewed the Big 12 a battle or the Gavit games that those haven't seemed to have a definitive um, extension. 
Um, so beyond that, I'm, and I and Bobby, of course, I know you're a big proponent of the local scheduling. Congratulations on uh, the recent George Mason commit, Justin Fernandez. That's big for the uh, the program. Um, so maybe they would be a good team to bring in town sooner than later. But uh, I do think there's merit to scheduling locally. But do, I mean, Bobby, do you think it will ever happen? Do you think that they'll ever make the jump? No, it seems like Georgetown is operating in a way that they're just going to operate forever because that's what they do. There's just, I think a lot, I think there's institutional, I can't even point to my finger to who is in, who is what or what, it, but it just seems like we're Georgetown. This is what we do. No questions asked, you know, and this is before yeah. you guys were born. This is basically when I was a baby and I am nowhere close to being a baby. Um, but they kind of just operate in a certain way. And for a long time, it worked, you know, you can't question it. It worked. And so much has changed over many, many cycles of different things. Mm -hmm. And I think now you kind of just have to look around and just admit maybe who you are and what could help you. And uh, I know you're joking a little bit about the uh, Justin Fernandez. I, I do like the guys over at Mason. I try and cover them. It's very close to where I live. Um, I have friends over there, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think it would be, it would, it, it just would make so much sense from local interests to just, you know, just staying close to home. You know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Mason fans are going to fill Capital One Arena, but surely you'd have more Mason fans there than, you know, take any other team on the schedule outside of Syracuse, right? So I've, you know, if you caught me 20 years ago, I would have been on the side of I root for Georgetown the way they schedule makes sense to me. That's the way they do it. It's always worked. Well, 20 years later, I look around and I say, why are you guys doing this? You know, you know, bury hatchets, play people certain places, get over it. And you kind of solve a lot of your scheduling problems. Mason and GW, they're A-10. That's already a good spot. And then, you know, look, every year that you don't play Syracuse at home, you're looking around or like, what are we going to give the fans? So ideally... If you're not going to do the thing like, you know, for a while there, uh, JT3 had, you know, Duke coming in. He had Kansas coming in. Memphis. There's a lot of teams came in. Michigan, the really good schedules, right? If you just literally, literally just say, okay, on this, on the odd years, we play Syracuse at home. On the even years, we play Maryland at home. And then you kind of fill it out. You know, you play one of those tournaments. You, you sprinkle in some cupcakes that you need. It's not that complicated. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's that complicated. And look, you, you lost to Navy last year. Did that hurt recruiting? No. Does anyone really even care if I hadn't brought it up? It's not, you guys are thinking about it. So like, okay, you lose to GW every once in a while, you know, maybe you lose to Mason, whatever. I don't think those should be reasons to not schedule. And I think it just makes, it just makes so much sense. And if you play games at Maryland, at GW, at Mason, you know, whatever, with, 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 with regularity, you're giving your fans a chance to see them play on the road. You know, like I went to games at Navy. They've played at JMU. I've seen them play at ODU. And those games require a little bit more travel. So I didn't mean to turn this into a uh, Bobby rant uh, about the schedule, but I just I just think it's a no-brainer. No, and I don't think it's going to happen because I just don't. They, they do things a certain way. What are they going to change for? They're not going to. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. And I mean, a lot of the best games, I think, in our tenure have been have been those conference um, agreements uh, because yeah. they're not scheduled in home nodes. And 
I don't know. They may just have to turn to the local games. Um, if you can't, Texas on the schedule. Texas was on the schedule as a, as a game. We played Duke in a pre-conference game, and I mean, I don't know what you think. I think it is interesting that Ewing has been opting for the four-team events rather than the eight-team events. Um, I think there is merit in perhaps moving to trying to get into more of the eight-team events just so you get that extra game in a non-conference schedule. Because my understanding is that it doesn't add to your total, right? I think also it just kind of gives you that tournament feel. You know what I mean? Like you, you, mm. you know, you get a bracket, which is basically half of a, you know, of a bracket you get in the tournament. Like you're on, okay, we've got the lower half. And then you got three games, you know, you, you know, you're basically playing a little mini tournament. You know, even if you lose all your games, you're still looking at brackets and like, okay, we got this team, we got that team. I think it's a good event. Or I'm saying I think it's a good, it's a good practice. But look, you know, the four-team event they were gonna have last year, what UCLA made the final four Virginia was good. They got upset and Kansas was good. Like that, that was like, Oh my gosh, this is what we've, this is what we wanted. And then of course it didn't happen because of things that were outside of their control. Um, But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I I do think scheduling locally, just like I said, it makes sense. And then like, you you know, you guys are students, what happens from your perspective, the year when they don't play Syracuse at home, you look at a home schedule and you're like, uh, we don't have anything. And then, you know, when the biggie starts, oh, we're on uh, winter break still for the first two games. We got unlucky with the schedule. And next thing you know, it's almost February, right? Like you, you need like one big game every year to look forward to. And it can't be Syracuse because you play them on the road, right? So w- what's your perspective from a student when you look at that schedule and like the Syracuse year is in the carrier dome? Like you're not getting anything, right? So uh, I think... Uh, especially with Maryland from a student perspective. And uh, obviously I know it's a big local rivalry and the Georgetown fan base is like so much uh, larger than like just the students, but speaking purely from a student perspective, mm-hmm. Maryland, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone cares about uh, the Maryland like rivalry. I, Georgetown, I guess has killed it, but, and, uh, and I don't think anybody cares about the Maryland rivalry. And I know some guys listening out, listening to this right now and shaking their head, but uh, I think it's true. Like the Maryland, like Georgetown, Maryland, it's just not a thing in the minds of uh, students. And uh, when Cutis went uh, there, obviously uh, that whole situation, I think that got like, that angered a lot of like the longtime fans because you know, Maryland's like the big local rival. But for students, it's more of a like, oh, it sucks, like he's gone, but it's not yeah. like he went to Maryland. And actually, I'm going to uh, drop a slightly hot take, but just based off of my assessment, <laughs> these, <laughs> these uh, rivalries, like beyond the local ones, but even the Syracuse rivalry from a student perspective, uh, like those games are really fun. Uh, people really get to them. They draw a lot of casual fans, but it's not really a rivalry anymore because it's, it's more of a well why do we hate them because I think at this point we're so far removed from like like yeah like a lot of students like me didn't get to Georgetown basketball until they came to Georgetown okay and so like they we don't have that history we don't have that context so it's more of a oh we hate them but we don't like really know why and so I would actually say the Philadelphia game gets a lot of great uh, student turnout and it's on level, if not greater than the uh, Syracuse game. But uh, Bobby, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think I think Georgetown's blessed. I think it's something we do take for granted. There, I don't. I, there is no school in Division One basketball that has a better first and second combined rivalries than Georgetown. Uh, having Villanova and Syracuse at the level we have them, fans travel for those games every time. You, you really can't beat that. And I do agree with Will. I think the Villanova game hits home harder. And I know I might be a little biased just being from Philly as well, but the, the students care more about the Big East games because that is when the season kind of kicks up. Yeah. And I mean, Bayheim's like, he's like a meme at this point, but he's not, he's not somebody that people I think even have the context for anymore. And Villanova with Jay Wright, people know a lot more students who go to Villanova. They might be from the area. That game just matters more, I think, in the eyes of a lot of students. And just because Villanova's been that much better, we've always been kind of, at least in the last four seasons, it's been fun when we beat them. Like, it's a fun win. They're a perennially good team. Syracuse has kind of been faltering. So I'm with Will. I think the Villanova game is here to stay. And the Villanova fans reciprocated so well as well. Not that Syracuse doesn't, but I think it's very well reciprocated at Villanova, especially given kind of the similar identities of the schools and the students. Yeah, no, that's a great perspective. And that's why I wanted to get, you know, the young guys on here. So for me, 40, you know, someone that's 40, okay, I grew up in the, you know, in this area, the Big East was incredible. So for me, even though they're not in the conference anymore, you know, Syracuse, in my mind, it's like, wow, Georgetown Syracuse, you know, like that's, that's huge. But I could see someone 20 years younger than me, I could see them that not being a thing, particularly if you didn't even get into following the team until you got to college you know it's one thing if you start following the team when you're what was i i was in like third grade just started got into it and just kept going um i could see that so i guess so my solution to what i consider the problem is having is giving the fans students season ticket holders whatever a marquee game every year and i was trying to fill the every other year because i have syracuse mm-hmm. as being a big deal so if you guys are coming from a perspective like, well, yeah, Syracuse is cool, but it's not really that big of a deal. So let me just ask you this. So let's say, because it's unlikely you're going to give, unless you get hooked up in one of these big 12 and big 10 challenges with a great matchup. Um, it's unlikely that school is going to bring in, you know, multiple power fives or whatever you want to call them, basketball power six, whatever. Um, so how would you guys attack the problem that I see it of giving the fans one marquee game a year? Um, so if you want to keep Syracuse, you're only on the hook for one game. If you say Syracuse doesn't matter, I can switch that around. So you kind of like two, like you're on the hook for two games. Like, do you think they should be trying to play UVA? Um, and you guys are too young, but like there was a time there where Duke came in a couple of times. Let me tell you, nothing looks more incredible than that, you know, that game. Okay. And luckily Georgetown was good both years and they beat them at home. So like, how would you try and fill that void of, you got to give the fans one marquee game, you know, a year. Cause you can't do things like always give your non-conference game a neutral site at Madison square garden or some sort of, you know, uh, tournament event, because you kind of give the home fans a reason to show up. Right. So would you stick with Syracuse? And if not, what are the kind of the schools that you want to see come through? Yeah, I think it's a, I don't think there's an easy answer. Um, I think you, you kind of mentioned it briefly, but the empire classic, I think you had a great solution there. You didn't guarantee the Duke game, but you managed to get a Duke game in the non-conference schedule in a local area where fans and alumni and students can travel to. You're right yeah. on you're right on the Amtrak line. That that was perfect. That was a great, even though it was a four-team event, 
playing Texas and Duke in a four-team event, I mean, that's that bolsters your non-conference schedule so much. I don't know if there's an easy answer for it. Um, kind of as we've been talking about, there's not – I don't know if we have the sway to pull a home-and-home home with Duke or even a home-and-home home with UVA. I don't know what – The big what thing you, with Duke was, guys, just to fill you in a little bit, and obviously Coach K is leaving, but yeah. they're kind of keeping in the family. So what it is Duke like, – like the years that um, – used to be Verizon Center, now Capital One Arena, the years that they host the NCAA tournament, Coach K mm. would like to play games that year. So he gets his team in the gym. You, you know what I mean? So it's like, they don't know if they're going to be at Verizon Center, but yeah, they're always at, they're always in the East. Right? right. So let's, let's play a game there in the idea. So that's kind of like a way you get as well. And I know that they have the NCAA tournament coming up. So that's kind of like, there, there are some ways to work around that, but you know, we've seen, we've seen Kansas come through, We've seen we've seen Duke. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'd I'd love if they could get either Michigan or Memphis. I okay. think you have enough of a brand around that. The coaches returning to their schools. I think getting Howard or Hardaway. That those games would be great media attention, and I think maybe you could swing them because those are two power programs right now. That yeah. I think there's enough of a storyline that you could sell it to. That for not not just for Georgetown, I think Georgetown would buy it, but I also think Memphis or Michigan might be able to buy those games. So that's where I would look first. Okay. Yeah. Will, I, are you kicking Syracuse off the schedule? Uh, no, I think I oh I'll clarify. <laughs> I will clarify. Uh, uh, I think Syracuse, like even though I think a lot of students like me who had really had no connection to Georgetown, and actually in my case, uh, you might be surprised to know this. I never really thought of uh, Georgetown basketball. Uh, the only college basketball I ever followed was uh, Division Two, uh, Philadelphia University. Uh, Herb McGee, he's a Hall of Fame coach. That was that was the only college basketball I followed. I saw the Sports Illustrated cover back in two thousand seven, and I literally never thought about Georgetown basketball until I decided to come here. So actually, I think for the students like me who had no ties uh, to Georgetown. The rivalries uh, don't mean as much, but the Syracuse game is still means the rivalry doesn't mean a lot, but the Syracuse game does because people who, while they may not feel it, they understand the history and the turnout among students is absolutely great, especially that takes place during finals week, like we're a bunch of nerds, (laughs) we're studying, but uh, people like take the time like during finals to go to that game. So uh, that, with that being clarified, I think the thing for Georgetown scheduling was is just to schedule the uh, up and coming teams or fun teams to watch, even if you can't get your Blue Bloods, your Dukes of the world. I think, you, like uh, Bobby said, you can get your Memphis or your Michigan because I think what students want to come out for is like a game against a great opponent. You can only play, you can only watch so many games against, you know, Central Connecticut State. But yeah, I think it's about getting uh, the mid-level like Power Five program. Yeah. I do think it's a Group of Five thing too. Part of the issue I think with scheduling has been there's just been too too many MEAC teams, and I I actually kind of like the schedule this year. Just because that bottom tier has been kind of wiped out. Ewing went more, a little more group of five-ish. He has teams with a little more name recognition that students can like at least have an understanding of the school and kind of where they're coming from. And I think that alone, if you can't get the very top, at least bring the bottom up. I think that that's been a great move this season and I'm looking forward to that. And I think a lot of students are as well because Dartmouth, 
maybe not the team, but students, I mean, especially a school like Will said, where everyone's a bunch of nerds, a team like Dartmouth, <laughs> students get more excited for even than, I mean, maybe even like Virginia Tech. I, I think it's a weird, a weird kind of dynamic, but the name recognition goes a long way with the student body. Well, I think Dartmouth is one of the few Ivy League schools that isn't in the Georgetown fight song. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's all entirely Ivy League. Um, and actually, I know that the schedule will never be looked at from my lens for a lot of reasons. But one of the things I love about this schedule is, and I don't have it all in front of me, but I know particularly for Dartmouth, the Georgetown series all time is 1-1. So a couple of years ago, I think I started a post and I never finished it. And just going through the media guide and looking at all of the all of the uh, the non-conference opponents and seeing where Georgetown can make up some legitimate ground in the all-time series, so that oh, they're yeah, on, that. so that they're they're on top of of more series than they're than they're underwater. And Dartmouth is tied one-one. I think are they playing? <sighs> My internet's not working. Which I'm on the Zoom though, so I think they're playing. <laughs> I think they're playing. Are they playing LaSalle or Duquesne? Are they playing one of those teams? I don't know if they've got any Pennsylvania. They've got a U. It's UMBC, Howard, South Carolina, Siena, American. Siena, Siena, Siena. They're they're like close. So it's like, look, just schedule Siena. You know, just get over the hump. Um, <laughs> I doubt. I mean, Bobby, some... you know everyone's coming in to watch Georgetown take over the Syracuse, the say the Siena <laughs> series. I think. Look, all things being equal, why not do that? I mean, like you know, they're. <laughs> You look at some of these games and you're like, all right, well, you know, what could be gained from this? And I think from like a nerdy SID kind of perspective, um, that would just be something to point out and be like, hey, you know, uh, you know, we trailed the Southern Mist series one nothing. Let's let's try and get on top of the Golden Eagles. Um, that's, okay, okay. Uh, I don't think I have you guys on this one, but I think yeah, that's. Not- <laughs> I think I think it's something, but it it is interesting to hear hear the perspective of. I don't care that much about Syracuse and Maryland doesn't matter at all. I'll just say one more thing about Maryland. Don't you think if the series got going again, that would be a way to generate interest? Like if they started playing, then they would be like, oh, yeah, let's do it. I mean, you know, if you don't play regularly for 35 years, which is what it is now, then it's not a big deal. But, you know, I think if you started playing, I mean, look, you know, Georgetown never played Creighton before and they never played Butler before, you know, really. And now that's like a thing. So again, I think that's, again, Around here with two kids, I try and say, what's the easiest way to accomplish this goal? Okay. And for me, the easiest way to accomplish this goal of giving a non-Syracuse um, opponent to give you some some interest is just to play Maryland. It just, it just yeah. I just don't think it's that complicated. I mean, Bobby, I think, I think the biggest thing you could have done was been win the Big East tournament. I think that alone <laughs> is going to – that's going to revive – the Syracuse game, is, like Will said, has been a phenomenal event even last year. I think that needs to be said. It's been a great – the Syracuse game, the Villanova game are the two best games of the year from a home attendance and fan perspective, save years when maybe Seton Hall is really good or another local team's doing well. But I think that alone, just being good is what kind of, I mean, it, it, like you said, it's a chicken or the egg problem, but I think that will bring attendance back and may solve your problem kind of quicker than you realize. Cause once you get good, then you can schedule better home and homes and then things kind of all kind of fix themselves. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Uh, at the end of the day, we're just kind of dancing around the real issue, which is that, you know, the, the program just needs to kind of get better. Right. And how that happens, you know, we don't know, but once 
they get to a better level of sustained success, more doors open up. Yeah, I think there's 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 no question. Hey, you guys have been great. I've taken a lot of your time. Before I get out of here, can you guys make a case in less than a minute of why I should get on TikTok? Is there anything I'm missing? Oh man, I got off TikTok. TikTok's <laughs> it's it is the biggest time suck of all time. I don't I don't know what kind of algorithms they've got going on, Bobby, but I, I had to delete it. And it, it's <laughs> no, I please for the, your own sake, you have you have enough kids. I think you, you don't need TikTok. Well, I'll say this. I think it was during a Georgetown game. I think because of McClung, I think he had like dyed his hair, cut his hair. It must have been his freshman year. A bunch of us on press row were like, oh, gotta get on TikTok, blah, blah, blah. I think that's the last time I logged on, you know, it's have so much, you know, time for certain things, but I didn't know if, the, if there's, you know, with like the NIL stuff, like if you guys are going to like, Oh, Bob, you're missing out. Like you got to get on it. You're, you're going to fall behind on all the news. Um, if you're not telling me that I'm probably not going to figure out what my password is. Yeah, no, I but, think you're doing all right. With that being said, go follow. I think, I think the voice has a TikTok now and Hoya blue. So hit them up, but well, are you, are you in the TikTok game? Uh, no, I feel, I feel, I feel old actually. Cause like my little brother, he's saw uh, five years younger than I am. He and his friends and even like the freshmen, like sophomores at Georgetown, they're all on TikTok. And I feel old. Cause this is like the first social media site that I don't get. Well, <laughs> so, look, it's, it's a feeling that's going to, you're, you're going to keep having this feeling. I can tell you from experience. Okay. <laughs> okay. I uh, can't wait. <laughs> So where, where do the good people need, need to find you guys? Thompson's Tao is obviously, you know, it's on Twitter. Um, are you guys Instagram as well? And do you guys have your own accounts that you want to let people know about? Yeah, we are on Instagram and Twitter, both at Thompson's Tao. Uh, visit our site, uh, thompsonstow.com. And uh, if any students are listening, uh, please uh, contact us through our site because uh, by the time this episode gets posted, uh, we're going to be opening up recruitment and uh, whether you know you are like write or uh, do analysis or like do feet like articles like I do about Jack the Bulldog being a sellout, or if you want to do photography, video, any like creative like urge that you have, like we encourage that. So, or if um, you want to open up the Thompson's Towel TikTok, that's an open position for someone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, open position. All applicants welcome. <laughs> Bobby, same, same for yeah, you. Yeah, that's it. Thompson's Tau, please. We'd love to have you join our, anyone join our team, students out there and uh, listeners, we'd love to have you follow. So, I mean, Georgetown Twitter space is a great, a great place to be, Bobby. It's great, right. great, great to live in Georgetown social media world. Well, I hope to see you guys out at a Georgetown game or a v- media availability. I don't know if they're going to be on Zoom again. I actually wouldn't hate that. It's easier for me to make, but I understand the idea of having stuff in person. But that being said, you guys are so positive, and a lot of times Kente Corner needs a splash, at least a splash of positivity. So I'm going to have to get you guys back. But I want to thank everyone for listening. If you're listening to this, obviously you know where to find it. Please uh, subscribe. Please rate us. Let us know what I'm missing. Hit me at Twitter, at Bobby Bancroft, or you can mess Mr. Casual Hoya himself. It'll get to me. And uh, season's in 50 day, guys. I can't wait.